Some people collect stamps, precious stones, or artifacts from another time. Me, I collect stories. I love stories that come out of conversation because they hold so many things all at once. Memories, emotions, lessons, new perspectives, comic relief, and so much more. They have the power to move us, to open our hearts, to connect us, to heal us. Stories offer a window into another person's universe, and I get to see what it's like to experience life from their eyes. They are an invitation to celebrate what makes us unique and what makes us the same. But most of all, I love how stories bring us together. How they harmonize us. How they remind me that each one of us is an essential voice in one glorious symphony. Welcome, my friends, to the harmony of stories. Hey, everyone! How are you all doing today? It's been an intense week, but I am doing awesome. We have our motorhome in our driveway now, and we are slowly moving into it. It's been very exciting, and we have already learned so many new things. I took a much-needed break from the podcast last week, and I'm happy to be back with a new episode. Today, I'll be sharing with you my conversation with my friend Keith Green. He is the man behind the High Street Sounds Music Festival in Barberville, Kentucky. He is a communications manager, a drummer, a DJ, a father, son, and husband. Keith shared about his experiences living in Washington, D.C. and San Francisco and also here in Barberville. I particularly enjoyed his California stories because it took me back to my childhood when my family and I would visit California for a Christmas vacation. We have a lot of extended family in that state, so we visited there often. We would fly over the Pacific Ocean from the Philippines all the way to California, a very long, direct flight. Keith and I had fun reminiscing about 90s grunge music and band life. We also talked about raising kids and the joy of community and relationships. It was really great connecting with Keith. I know you'll enjoy hearing our conversation. Our song of the week is Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, Keith's favorite song from his California days. This podcast recording is the first one I've done in the motorhome, so the sound might be a bit different this time. My apologies if it's not as clear or as great as usual. I'm still trying to work out the kinks. We have the motorhome parked closer to the road, so the road noise is a bit louder. But I've done my best to edit out what I could and reduce the noise as much as I can. I have two things that I'm really excited to share with you today before we start. The first is that I have recently come across this amazing product called ASEA Redox. 
It is a groundbreaking health and anti-aging technology that is 10 to 15 years ahead of its time. For two decades, science said that this technology is impossible. There's nothing like it in the world, not even a variation of it. Think of your body as the most complex communication network on Earth. Every second of every day, your cells are communicating tremendous amounts of information all throughout your body. Any breakdown in that signaling and communication, and you cannot achieve your full health potential. I'll give you a simple example. Your house is on fire, and you call the fire department. You can have the best fire department in your city or in your county, but if you have a bad cell signal, like you've only got one bar or no bars, or there's background noise or the call keeps dropping, and the fire department don't get the message, then what happens? Your house goes up in smoke, right? And that's not because of the fire department, it's because of a poor cell signal. Now imagine that in your body. This technology that I am sharing with you is the only technology that can increase, clarify, and amplify that critical cell signaling and the difference can be astonishing in people's lives. I have seen incredible results from this with my very own eyes, and I am confident that this is going to revolutionize the health and wellness space on this planet forever. It's a pretty big deal, you guys. I'm super excited about this. If you'd like to learn more, I invite you to book a call with me via my website at wildflower dot cloud slash book i'd be more than happy to tell you all about it and answer any questions you may have i'll include that link in the show notes the second thing is that my friend bailey and her partner have just launched a kickstarter campaign for the first high-end compact drum set of its kind made from recycled plastic it's called the beatbox Unlike other compact drum sets on the market, you don't have to sacrifice sound for size. The Beatbox is a four-piece drum set equipped with two tom-toms, one snare, one bass drum, one snare stand, one hi-hat stand, one bass drum pedal, mounting hardware, one drum throne, and a set of quiet cymbals. Everything fits in the box except the cymbals which come with a cymbal bag. Yes, everything, even the throne, packs up inside the box. It also features wheels and a luggage handle for easy transportation. The beatbox is made from recycled plastic and weighs under 50 pounds, making it TSA approved as checked luggage. How friggin' cool is that? Links to the Kickstarter campaign will be on the show notes as well. Please check it out and send Bailey and her partner some love. I hope you guys have a magical day. Without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend Keith. Alright, it is Sunday, 9.21am. This is my earliest recording with a guest, but I love it because I'm an early riser and so is Keith. My friend Keith Green is here and I'm very excited and I feel very honored because Keith is a busy man and he's a rock star, but he 
doesn't play rock music, or do you? If someone calls me. <laughs> yeah. So Keith is a communications manager by day and a dad and drummer by night. Have you got any other well, jobs? <laughs> husband and son. Also those things, too. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Husband, and son. husband and son. Uh Those are my main, those are my main jobs right there. Yeah, that's a handful. You're a DJ too? Yeah, I'm a DJ as well. Oh my gosh. You're too cool, Keith. Oh. (laughs) I just like to live. (laughs) And Keith helped me to choose my microphone. And he taught me a lot about sound. And he's got experience. He's experienced with podcasting and mobile sound. So he's the reason why my podcast sounds good. Oh, you're doing an excellent job. (laughs) Thank you. And I met Keith because my family and I went to watch High Street Sounds, which is a music festival in Barberville every month, in the warmer months. And I was just so amazed that there was really good quality live music. And I'm like, how? (laughs) You know, because there's not a lot that goes on here, but there is, I know that now, but when we first moved here, it's kind of hard to find what's going on. And I just, I, we love going to it and it gives us a lot of joy. And then, so I met, that's when I met you. And then I learned that you're from San Francisco and that you're a drummer. And I'm like, it makes perfect sense now. Yeah. I feel super fortunate to have fallen into that role. Yeah. Shall we start there? How did you start doing that? I've always been a part of the music scene here in Eastern Kentucky, ever since I moved here in 2014. From the first week, I met musicians. It's just kind of been my my, my group, my, my support group, or, you know, my friend group has been musicians in the area. It's kind of how I connected most with the, with the region. And so then I played a lot of music. And when um, I had a band, you know, somewhat popular band in Barberville called the Blue Crawl Dads. And uh, we played a lot of, you know, events and things in Knox County. And so when the new tourism director came in and she was looking for musicians, she just kind of, oh, Keith, you know about music and bands, don't you? I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, help me. Help me, uh, you know, find some bands. And so she gave me a budget and she told me what she needed. And then we just worked together to to bring a, a, a good quality, you know, sound. And mm. because of my personality, you know, quite extroverted and I love just people you know it's, it's one of my superpowers I say it's, that's my superpower you know <laughs> I can't fly or anything but um connecting with people is something that I love so I've also connected with lots of musicians from all over you know all over the United States so I, she allowed me she allowed me to just to pull in who I thought would perform well and uh yeah. you know High Street Sounds is what came out of that that's you know? so great so, I'm very, I'm super fortunate. Some Every year I'm thinking, okay, they probably won't have me do it again. You know, mm. I keep pulling all these weird groups or, you know, <laughs> something so different for our region, but then they keep asking me to do it every year. So I was like, okay. How long has it been now? It's our third year. This is our third is year. Is it the third year? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it's, that's awesome. I was worried that you weren't going to do it again. Yeah. I, so I was glad. worried too. <laughs> I was like... You know, I bring all these groups from all over, and then you know, the community, while they're I, they're behind it, they don't always show up that yeah. strong. So I didn't know if the city wanted to invest the money, to, you know, for for activity that's not as well attended. Yeah. But 
seems like they they're committed to it for the long haul, and that shows That's a lot great. for our leadership here. You know. Yeah, Marsha's awesome. Yeah, she is. She's so great. Yeah, she <laughs> she inspires me. She's one of several women in our community that does so much. They put so much work into our community, you know. Yeah. They inspire me big time. And she's very creative, yeah, too. Yeah, she is. Yeah. There's a lot of color in Barberville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it brings a personality and there's a pride. I'm talking to people, you know, like at Chamber of Commerce meetings or, you know, I uh, attend the Eastern Kentucky Leadership Conference every year. And, you know, to hear people from Barberville talk about our city and how proud they are now of it wow. they say they used to hide the fact that they're from they're from barberville and now they actually actively tell people about it i'm like whoa that's a big change in a few years wow that's a big change you know that's incredible mm-hmm. yeah i really like barberville oh good we enjoy it and i'll miss you know i'll miss the high street sounds mm-hmm. i'll miss the daniel boone festival yeah. Pe- some people tell me oh it used to be so much better but we just we love it yeah <laughs> i'll probably come back for that you know sometimes <laughs> to go to that so you lived in San Francisco, but that's not where you grew up. Is that right? No. I grew up in Washington, D.C. Uh, well, in Maryland. So, you know, for those who you know don't understand the geography of it, uh, D.C. is inside of Maryland. Maryland surrounds D.C. And then there's like a spike of Virginia. And there's, um, oh. yeah, so, so we call it the DMV or the uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And so, because they're all kind of intertwined, you could be in in and out of one and not know it, you know. So I grew up in uh, a city in Maryland called Temple Hills, which is, I mean, it's next door to you know you can go be in D.C. within five ten minutes. So, okay. So you can't always use D.C. as your anchor point, but that's where I grew up. Uh, I went to high school there, and my first semester of college was, you know, all all in that region. But then after that. My first semester of college, I, my family moved to California, and I was studying computer science. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, I want to go to Silicon Valley." You know? Oh wow, that <laughs> so suited that, you. Okay. Yeah. So I so I just left and I left school and went to to uh, to California. And you said that was first year of college. Yeah, basically, and my, like I think I had one semester at college. I went to University of Maryland, um, Eastern Shore. Okay. Eastern Shore. So that or not a oh geez that's not it <laughs> I, I, like i only spent one semester there, but it was you know maryland university uh university of maryland uh university of maryland uh college system kind of like eastern you know kind of eastern kentucky you know how the eku has all those different campuses right same thing same kind of thing okay what was it like growing up in washington dc area uh like any metropolitan area you know it's fast-paced um, high expectation on standards. So, you know, the way you dress, kind of the way you act, there was a big expectation on, you know, h- how you carried yourself. And right. um, people didn't take too kind to weakness. Okay. So, you know, so there was a, a bit of aggression in people and, and pride and pride in what you did and how you looked and how you carried yourself. Yeah. You know, you, you wanted to kind of stand out in the crowd or, you know, you know, kind of have a, a sense of strength to you. Okay. And so for me, I was kind of a gentle kid, you know, um, and uh, so I did suffer a, a tiny bit, a little bit from being kind of very nice, you know, kind of sweet kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people, I had to learn later on in life after, you know, many years to 
to just be stand up for myself and stand up for others and you know kind of exert a little aggression yeah um but i had my i had both parents and then uh and i had a little sister um you know one of my big secrets is i i have a brother who i've always claimed as my brother is he's a friend of mine who um his family they were just they were I don't, I don't want to call him like orphan, but they had to live with like different family members and stuff. Okay. And so my family kind of took him in and unofficially oh. adopted him. Adopted him. Yeah. And he moved to California with us and everything. So Did I, he really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, he just he spent so much time with us and that we just you know included him in part of our family. Wow. So um, um, so I would say I have my brother, even though I kind of grew up without him at first, you know, just at yeah. school. School is my best friend at school, so, um, so I, I but I grew up, like I said, both my parents there. My my dad was in retail; he owned a mattress store. And my mom was stay at home mom. She had some part time jobs here and there, but mostly stay at home. Okay. And it was, you know, and mostly inside the house with me and my sister. She's eleven years younger than I am. So, okay, that's so quite that a gap. I, and we grew up Christian, so we were very, very, very active in church. Mm-hmm. Um, I five days a week we were at church. Five days a week. Five days a week. Yeah, I would be like uh, on Sundays. Uh-huh. You had uh, a Sunday like a, a Bible study in the morning, kind of Sunday school, and then you had service, and then you had a, a evening Bible study, and wow. then service. So that's four services basically, and four programs all in one Sunday. Gosh. You had like other rehearsals and things. I became a musician at church where I learned to be a musician oh. at church. So, uh, you, and we had many choirs, you know, the youth choir and adults and things like that. So that was like three or four rehearsals a week for that. Oh my gosh. And then you had a, two types of Bible study and youth throughout the week. So, and then Saturdays we cleaned and rehearsals and things. So I was pretty much as much as time I was at school, I was also at church and, Wow. You go home every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's, wow. So that's that was, very different to my Catholic upbringing. We're only at church once a week for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so you started music because of church or at church. Yeah. Were you always a drummer? Did you sing? Did you play other instruments? Yeah, I was a drummer at church. I was I was always a drummer. Okay. That started about 12 years old. Really? Yeah. At our, at our church, there was a... It was kind of hierarchy of, of musicians, so you had like your adults uh, who were musicians and they played, and that's who the general you know church band was structured with those guys, right? And okay. then you had like the teenagers who were watching them and picking up skills, and every once in a while, if one of the adults couldn't be there, the teenager would come in there, and then you had the you know the adolescents, the youngers like like myself, and we were sitting there just watching, okay. and if maybe if adult wasn't there, wasn't available. And a teenager wasn't available. Here's our chance, <laughs> our chance to get on there. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna get there. You know, we went to lots of rehearsals and things. So we were, we did. It's not like we weren't. We didn't have any skill. You know, we've been watching our whole lives these musicians play. But um, you know, you did have lower skill. I, I remember one time my cousin and I. It was a Friday night service, and we both very, you know, very novice. But no one showed up to play drums that night. So they were like, all right, one of you boys come on up and play drums. So I get up there first. Terrible. 
<laughs> I play like a song. It was so bad it kicked me off. Oh my gosh! So dude. then my cousin comes up. It's his turn. You know he can't play any better than I can. <laughs> We're the same age. Kick him off, and then I go back up. Literally, just put the whole service going back and forth. Really? But it was enough experience and things that we kind of established ourselves. It's okay. You guys can be the next drummers. So, you know, <laughs> as the adult, you know, changed, we did something, and the teenager now, who's a college student, he, you know, was away at college, so he wasn't playing. So it was me and Joel's turn, my cousin Joel's, to, and that's how we got our, you know, selves into it. In school, I played saxophone. No way. I played saxophone. So from fifth grade on, um, I played saxophone at marching band, symphonic band, you know, jazz band, that kind of stuff. I did that. I, even in college, uh, that you know, I went and I was part of the marching band. Okay. That one semester, <laughs> I was I was I was supposed to be in the marching band, and you know, I was gonna receive a scholarship and everything for for marching band, but I wow. didn't, I didn't follow through. After that semester, so like I said, my family moved, and so now I did too. But that's how I got into music, and I um, I played in some bands outside of that. My best friend, my brother, you know, as I, I ex- explained earlier, he um, also was a musician, and he was a he was a guitar player. And he played at okay. church too, and um, but he loved rock music. Okay. Now in DC, another thing a lot of people don't understand about DC is very segregated very segregated even though it's you know nation's capitals melting pot yeah a lot of the, the racial groups stated themselves in a way you know you have okay. you know you have um, you know big gaps in you know income and the social status and things like that and also yeah. race so um in our area you know it's a lot of r&b it was all black community mm-hmm. it's a lot of r&b and hip-hop things like that gospel jazz but not as much rock even though there's a great history of rock in dc okay. black rock musicians and them paving the way for a lot of the rock that we hear today um mm. it wasn't so it wasn't as embraced it was considered you know caucasian music white people music right and not embraced in the black community mm. so but he loved rock music he loved the nirvanas and the metallicas <laughs> and you know uh bands like that and yeah. so i because he's my best friend and I, I just influenced by him yeah and so we dove into rock music and learning yes. that style of music <laughs> a lot of grunge silver chairs and oh my gosh silver chair. yeah, yeah was, you know silver chair. i was I very did. into that music when i was that age yeah <laughs> So, you know, 90s, 90s grunge. Yeah. Um, we also diversified our friend group because of that. Because our general friends, they were like, they liked hip hop. Right. And R&B. Yeah. They didn't, you know, they didn't care anything about Metallica or Soundgarden or any of that stuff. But then there was a lot of other kids who were in our school, a small, a small minority who did. Now they had a friend group they can kind of yeah. hang out with. Yeah. You know? And so that was nice. I love how music it connects people and communities that's beautiful yeah yeah that's i think that's another aspect of it that it suited me to yeah. be a musician because then i was i was able to have the a, a deeper i had a, a reason to be friends with people yeah and then from there you can build the relationships actually supporting each other and you know somebody's going through something you can have the friendship part but the relationship was based off the interaction of music yeah. You didn't have to try to think like, oh, what are we going to do with my friend today, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to play music, you know? Yeah. 
So, um, because of that experience, yeah, playing rock and stuff like that, it kind of helped us look outside of what we were, uh, yeah, experience life in a different view and lens, yeah. you know, compared to a lot of our other peers, so. I don't know if I've told you this before, but my brother, when we were kids, <clears throat> he still does it a little bit now, but my brother's a drummer. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Excellent drummer. Really, really good drummer. Oh. And when we were kids, like early teens, he had a band. They were so good, and they mostly played Metallica. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was so loud. We had We lived in a townhouse, like townhomes, I don't know, gated community. Okay. And the houses were pretty small, but the, you know, our house had like three floors. My dad put in like a, an attic. Okay. And he set up a band room there because it was also one of his kind of dreams that he's never oh. really been able, you know, he played guitar. Okay. And so he set up a band room and the neighbors were, <laughs> he didn't, we didn't have any sound, no. you know, like whatever. And yeah. so when we were practicing, you could hear it like down the street <laughs> and they would do Metallica. My band, okay. we played metal. Really? <laughs> and we liked Tool and Deftones oh, and stuff yes. like that. It wasn't really my... I mean, I like that kind of music, yeah. but I was into like more indie, okay. pop indie rock too, and okay. just, you know, kind of alternative singer-songwriter yeah. stuff. But, yeah. Quick aside, uh, I played in a band, uh, you know, Chino from Deftones? Yeah. It was his cousin. What? Yeah, his cousin's band. No way. And he kept he kept saying, "Man, I'm gonna get us. You know, Chino's gonna bring us on the road." we were doing was rehearsing. I had t-shirts made up. We were gonna, what? yeah, yeah, because Chino was his cut, like his first cousin, and we were totally gonna. That's so wild. Then one day, I come down to rehearse. I was like, we hadn't rehearsed for a couple weeks or so. And I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna pick up my drum set so I can, you know, something else come up." And then I went down there, and then somebody else's drum set was already set up, and I was just going to push to the side. I was like, hey, what happened? <laughs> a lot of change no one told me. Because <laughs> he, he was pushing for it, you know, taking to the next level. I was, yeah, yeah, wow. But, yeah, so when you said Deftones, I was like, oh, man, I am so connected to that. <laughs> I have, his cousin. <laughs> I have a story about Deftones. Oh, okay. So, you know, you told me about Sweetwater, mm -hmm. and that's where I bought my microphone from. Okay. And for our listeners, Sweetwater is a, a shop, a music store. And so when I bought, every time I buy something from them, I get a call from Cameron Green. Okay, yes. Have you spoken to him? No, I haven't. Cam Cameron, Mike, Mike Barrett is my guy, but you'll, you'll talk to uh, Cameron for the rest of your life, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Every time I do an order, he'll like call me within a few minutes right. and, and we'll like talk for ages. The last time we spoke, we probably were on the phone for like an hour. Really? Yeah, he's so cool. And I'm going to go and interview him when we go to Illinois. Wow. Or is it Indiana? Illinois. Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to show you guys around. It's a really oh, cool campus. And yeah, but this is so crazy, right? So I was talking with him and I don't even know how it came up, but I told him that I had a band in high school. And I said, I went to a Catholic all-girls school. And we went to play at a school event. This was like junior high. Mm -hmm. It was an all-girls school, and we went to a school event. It was like a soiree okay. with a, an all-boys Catholic school. 
and there were activities and you know could we could interact with them and then at the end of that there was a, a show mm. and so we played some songs in the show we had several songs prepared but we were only able to play two songs so our first song was a cranberry song nice. the second song we played my own summer okay. by deftones yeah. and when we start so I, I asked one of my male friends to do the um, growling okay. part yeah. right and so he he came to do it and when he started the growling part I had two other friends who came on stage and started headbanging and one of my girlfriends she had really long hair too and it was just like this crazy you know yes. thing and then our religion teacher comes up on stage and she tells us to stop what we're doing and that we're not allowed to play anymore and she walks us off the stage oh right and and we're like what this is you know and then like a few days later she asked us to go in the prayer room with her and she could pray over us because apparently we were disturbed and so i was telling cameron this and he was just laughing and he said the exact same thing happened to us and we were also playing my own summer by the deftones like what are the chances wow. i know i'm like yeah. what deftones was an influential band for sure yeah it's so weird i keep these things keep happening to me where it's like what are the you know no. that's not a coincidence yeah. that's kind of oh. weird yeah so that was my deftone story <laughs> man it's a good song too <laughs> <laughs> you all disturbed. I was like, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then my um my drummer and my um rhythm guitarist. Mm -hmm. Okay, so our teacher said you need to write these journals and give them to her. I don't even. It sounds weird to talk about it now, but that's just how it was. And they would pretend to freak her out. They'd pretend, they'd write in the journals that they have like these dreams of demons and things. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are totally crazy. Uh, good old trolls. <laughs> right. Yeah. We didn't have that term back then, but. No, that's, that's what you'd exactly call it now. It was. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so good times. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we were just the next generation uh, after playing records backwards, remember? Like, yeah. everybody wanted to play a record backwards so you can find out whatever kind of demons you were going <laughs> to <Yeah>. evoke, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and resurrect. And, you know, and all our parents believed it. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sure your, I'm sure your teacher was legitimate, or not legitimate, but genuinely mm. freaking out. Oh, yeah. That you guys were up there screaming and headbanging. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Only somebody had, like, one of those huge Panasonic camcorders. <laughs> just like, <laughs> so they just got escorted off. The greatest band of all time. You know, it's like... <laughs> I wish there was someone who videoed that. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I somehow ended up with the Rebels, so... Okay. There you go. So you're right where you belong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Got any crazy band stories for me? I told a story the other day. So I was... For a while, I was in a Christian band christian rock band called seed love okay. those guys s-e-e-d i had saw them play several places in and this was, this was in uh, san francisco oakland and mm. uh eventually you know and um you know so kind of hung around a little bit or you know really enjoyed them and then eventually they needed a drummer 
a filling drummer and I got that opportunity. And so then I got to play with them. You know, we did like a little small tour and that kind of stuff. But they had a lot of their their lead, the lead singer, writer, Chris McCooey. He uh, he I mean, he was he's the we would have church and he would write the songs for the service before the service. What? So we would come to rehearsal songs. All, all the songs for that service, he had wrote them like, you know, that week or whatever. What oh, talent is this? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He was uh, he was such a beautiful writer. Wow. Such an awesome writer. So we went to a show one time, and they had this really great guitar player. I, I would say his name. I don't care. Darren Savage. Right? <laughs> Which is <laughs> so a great... you doing a, it again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Super hard. Uh, it, it's such a great name for a guitar player. Darren Savage? And you're Very shredding, nice. you know, what I mean? yeah. just perfect. Seven. Yeah, it was perfect. It just it's gonna work for the story too. Uh he was he was an awesome artist, you know, it's a real creative type, you know. Uh and he was a rocker through and through. Like it's a Christian rock band, and you know, and he you know, we definitely all kind of towed that line between being a rock band but being, you know, kinda of in that ethically, you know, Christian style. So they're uh, it was a show. So, oh, you know what? I wasn't even. I wasn't even playing that time. I'm saying a, this is a story about somebody else's. <laughs> I, I played in the band scene. Okay. But this is when I'm just remembering now. I was like, oh, I wasn't in the band at that time. I just saw him on a show. But it, it was like it was called Coona House. It was like a little coffee shop at his church. Okay. And they were playing a rock thing. It was like a lot of older people there, but they were all supportive of what was going on. So Darren was ripping his solo, right? He was playing, whatever. And he had took a big swig of water, played this, he's doing a solo, and he spits the water <laughs> out in the crowd. And it's too, you know what I mean? Like, they were not there for the rock. They were just there for the support. Ladies were sitting in front, and it just bounced with the savage spit. You know what I mean? And, and, I was watching it. I was like, that's the greatest moment in rock and roll history. That's the greatest moment in rock and roll history right there is at Coona House seeing those two ladies getting savage. It was best. But it would have been great if I was in the I mean, I was, like I said, I played with them, but I wasn't in the band at that time, so. Darn it. But anyway, if Darren Savage ever hears this, just know you changed my life forever. <laughs> you can't unsee that. I can never unsee that. Um, <laughs> one time, all right, I played in a band called Eight Day Sober here in um, in London. Those guys were partiers. They're on through partiers, you know. Now I've always been kind of a straight edge type of guy. I wanted to be a partier, but I never could just really get not part of my personality. Same here. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I just. But eight days sober, while I mean they weren't like you know they weren't Motley Crue or anything, but for London, they know how to party. Okay. <laughs> they bought a limousine. No. We said, oh, greatest calling card of all time. We they they bought this limousine for like two thousand dollars, and they would travel all you know all the shows like all the local gigs stuff in a limousine. <laughs> Venues would put cones out. You know, people are like, oh, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> and I was like, we're driving our own limousine, you know. But it was a great marketing. Awesome marketing. Yeah. Lot, lots of crazy parties. One time, oh, okay, so we were playing at a place called Proud Mary's in basically it's like Lexington, into Richmond, beginning of Lexington. Because like one of just awesome music venues, outdoors, 
on the river. The bars on the river. They built like this wow. beach. They built a beach in Lexington. Yeah, it, really? it, it's like sand. It's, they put a bunch of sand out there. <laughs> they have volleyball nets, to- toys for kids. It's a uh, two levels of seating, all outdoors. You know, is this a bar or a venue? It's a venue. It's a it's it's a restaurant. Really? Excellent barbecue. Excellent, you know, uh, cuisine. But and you know, nice friend of staff. All outdoors. They do have indoor seating. Very limited though. Right. It's meant to be outdoors. They're meant to have live music every night. Whoa. Proud Mary's. It's my, one of my favorite places. Proud Mary's. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's my favorite because I have so many friends who own venues here that I love. Mm. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know it sounds pretty nice. Big, yeah, it's really nice. I love that place. So we were eight days sober in it. You know, just playing the, the, the song, Variety Band. You know, um, and you know, people just loved us packed house you know hundreds of people at this thing right and it's about 11 o'clock when we're about to end okay now what i would do at the end this is kind of how my dj really kind of kicked in was at the end of the show i would start playing music right kind of djing from my phone right. and um you know and the party just didn't stop and she was like hey could keep on djing like <laughs> people no one left people were on the floor dance pack, pack dance floor with me DJing, we just having a great time. Bourbon's going. Becoming epic parties like one o'clock in the morning. Epic parties growing out. Wow. People videotaping people on stage. Shirts are going everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's really turning into rock star party. Um, you know, all kinds of things happen out on the dance floor. And then someone took a video. Somebody was live streaming like on, <laughs> you know, whatever uh, Facebook Live or blah blah blah. What was I doing? I was in the back sweeping. What? I was sweeping. I was rolling up cables. Oh. I was organizing <laughs> while this epic rage party was happening yeah. in the forefront. I could totally see myself it, doing that too. I, it just, I can't, it just, it was really bothering me that those cables weren't picked up. <laughs> People were leaving their food on the stage like that. I just had to sweep it. Were you able to party after you cleaned up? No, I just cleaned up the rest of the night. <laughs> I, but I was also DJing, and I was, like, hosting the party. Yes, yeah. So I was all still doing that. So I was real busy. But so when it comes to epic band, you know, crazy stories, like, while the rest of the guys are engaged in other activities, <laughs> you know, I'm filing the 1099 <laughs> for that evening. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like... Did everyone sign the media releases? Let me go get the media. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, I can see that you're pretty chill. I just, I don't get, I don't make my personality that way. But I'm, I'm glad because, like, the band's called Eight Days Sober for a reason. And I have, I don't, I'm just not part of that world. Maybe fried chicken. <laughs> Maybe that's my drug of choice. Fried chicken, cinnamon rolls. Oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right. Kentucky fried chicken. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I find myself trying to step away from some of that. Yeah. I was never into alcohol. I've never been drunk. Uh, really? Yeah. Never? I've been a bit tipsy, but it's just not, I don't mm. know. I don't like it enough to drink a lot of it. Okay. You know? Yeah. It is, I tell young people that all the time. I'm like, you know, it's like, it's, it's disgusting, <laughs> but yet yeah. it's not as bad as smoking, I guess. Yeah, I just can't. I 
Now I've been in a lot of smoky bars. Yeah, I don't especially like here. That. And I, I hate my like my drums inside the cases uh, for my drums. It'll smell for a month if I if I play a smoky bar or a show. It'll smell inside my case for months until you know it that just sucks. deodorizes itself or whatever dissipates. And mm. I'm like, man, I, what if that was every day? That could be every day. Yeah. But as I always kind of remind myself, you know, there's a a slice of pizza, there's a half a pizza, a bowl of cereal, and uh, you know, uh, ice cream sandwiches that I've indulged in just to say, you know, yeah, I just haven't yeah. died as fast or something like that, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I know a lot of smokers smoke for 40 years, so it's a slow burn as well. No pun intended. Yeah. But then someone told me, I think it was Tammy from the library. Mm. She said that the harmful thing in tobacco is not really the tobacco. It's the other stuff that's Uh, in it and the chemicals used to grow it. Mm -hmm. So if like, if you grow it just naturally, Mm -hmm. because lots of people smoked like back in the day and they lived to like, what, 100 or, you know? Oh, yeah. So I don't know if it's if that's true. Yeah. You know, it's like all the I don't know glyphosate that they put on it. Could be maybe. Yeah. yeah. It could be. Like my family, we, we're hybrid, organic. Hybrid organic. Yeah, because we'll go. Oh hey, I bought organic milk, but it's like it's on, you know, some cornflakes, and I'm sure they. Oh, I <laughs> see know? hybrid things. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know it's like. <laughs> Oh, this fruit, you know, all this fruit's organic fruit, but then it's like, oh, it's on top of yogurt that's just, you know, right. <laughs> regular, you know. Is there know. no organic cornflakes yet? I don't, I'm sure there is. We haven't bought any, but. <laughs> but it won't be the same as Kellogg's, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it won't be the same. Yeah, it won't have the same flavor or whatever. And, yeah. You know, so we try, you know, we try. We buy a lot of fruit. My mom makes smoothies for the kids every day. Okay. Uh, fruit smoothies but you know like not all the frozen fruits organic so if you have like six seven fruits and a couple of vegetables in there half of it's organic half's not is that still beneficial I, I think it's beneficial it is yeah you know i'm hoping it is yeah because it's expensive it is expensive <laughs> it's expensive well, it is beneficial yeah. because you get more nutrients from the, from the organic stuff okay. yeah yeah let's hope it cancels it out we hope so well so. <laughs> you know what though we 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 don't get that sick in our household. That's great. You know, so I, I'm, we're contrib- we're attri- attributing that to the, the smoothies and the yeah. The I'm gonna black come smoking. and live at your house. Smoothies every day. Wow. Yeah. Mom's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Does she live with you or? Yeah, my mom lives with us. She moved from California and uh, when the kids were young, and she helps with the kids and stuff. And, That's so great. Uh, but she, uh, yeah, she 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 cooks dinner every night and stuff. What? Yeah, she cooks dinner. What does she cook? What kind of food? She cooks stir like stir fries. Okay. You know, chicken breast stir fries. That she'll make. She makes this thing called meat pie, which I meat love. Pie. Sam might. Sam might. I think they eat these in London, but uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, kind of the like a meatloaf. Like uh-huh. like think of it. They're not consistent to say a meatloaf, but or like what you would put like a spaghetti, <laughs> and then you add it to a pie pie crust. You know, she makes a pie crust and cover in the cover and everything, <clears throat> and then she bakes it. She sounds awesome. Well, it's awesome. Yeah, they do eat that in England. Yeah, I know they make, and they, I think they make the small, like it's like a little smaller. Yeah, steak she and... makes like a huge one. You know, oh, oh, that's the best. Have you had steak and kidney pie? I have not, but that's really good. I'm, I can imagine. <laughs> I imagine. I uh, 
if my first superpower is connecting with people, my second one is getting people's grandmothers and moms to cook me meals. <laughs> really? I just literally the holidays come, I just get random dishes <laughs> from people. That's a really valuable superpower. It really is. You don't have to lift a finger. Mm-mm. No, somebody get all the food. Here's some fudge. Or, um, so in California, we. Um, in, especially in the Bay Area, there's a large Filipino um, <laughs> community, right? Yes. And so I have so many tears that, <laughs> that yeah. I, just, I just, oh man, I remember one time uh, sh- I had a, somebody made me a big pan of lumpias, right? Like, oh my gosh. Huge, I huge. love lumpia. Thank you, Auntie Barb. You're the best, Barbara. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. Anyway, and uh, she made me a huge lumpia. And then I, you know, it's being a glutton, I just, one after another, <laughs> probably like about ten down. Oh my god! About ten down, and then it just my body said, "It's that's it, man. <laughs> stop." <laughs> Forced me to stop. Okay. But if it wasn't for that though, the you would have. <laughs> the pants was so good. It's so good. You're and right. they never make it. That, you know, she knew it was just me, or you know, just <laughs> us, just me and my wife at that time. She could have made me like you know, like a little small thing of them. <laughs> She know I wasn't gonna stop, but no, she had to make me thirty lumpias. Yeah. Or she'll make like the big pans of ponset. Mm-hmm. Ponset. You can't make a small pan of ponset. Oh my god! <laughs> so much. You're making me miss Filipino food. That's like that's a really nice part of our culture that I miss. They'll just basically throw food at you, and then when you're walking out the door, they'll like stuff your pockets full of food. <laughs> just, I just had to admit. It's my favorite culture. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know, about history and stuff. You know, And I've never been to the Philippines. Okay. But when I was back in California, I mean, just, just showing up at people's houses. Mm-hmm. And me and dad sit down. Mom sit, you know. And then, I, I mean, my friends, whoever they were, you know, I would spend a little bit of time with them. But I would just spend time with the family, the brother, you know, just whoever it was. And it literally was like, this family, this family, this family. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, they just would allow me just to be a part of them, you know? Yeah. And I would come, I would clean, you know, and I would just be a part of the family. Yeah. And even today, I'm st- still a lot of them. I still talk to them and, you know. That's so nice. I, I just, so I've always loved the Filipino cult, culture because of that community, sense of community. Yeah. For at least the, a and bunch the of families. The hospitality, yeah. The hospitality, yeah. Yeah. And um, I always wanted to mirror my family off that culture. Not that I don't, you know, I appreciate black culture and stuff like that. I do. I really, really do. But it, that's where my heart's at. It's <laughs> <laughs> being a place where people can, like, my door's open to you. And I want to meet your needs before you have to kind of ask me for it. Yeah. Where I'm thinking about you beforehand and just make you a part of what, whatever it is. And, yeah. You know, I've always appreciated that, you know. And, um, and there's always food. Yeah, there's And food. it's always good. Yeah, always good. <laughs> so- Always good. I feel so much of it. Kind of hard to beat. And you've had balot, and I've never had balot. You never had a balot before? Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Should I tell that story on that? Yeah, you can tell that story. All right. So, uh, one of my my buddies, we're we're at work, Leo. Shout out to Leo from from Fax and File. Let's let's take that old school. (laughs) (laughs) The company's not even called that anymore. So, okay. But, um, uh, we were at work and they were talking about bullet, right? You know, and I'm, I've always been open to any food, right? So he's so he brought it to work, 
And, you know, we were all looking at it, you know, just like, had these eggs. Nobody was willing to, to step up, but of course I was going to. I was like, yeah, I'll eat it. <laughs> and so he cracks the shell, you know, he drinks some of the juice. I was like, all right, it's not that bad. And then as we peel the shell away and I see the little, but look, there are duck eggs? It can be duck or chicken. Chicken, okay. But it was a formed. Formed bird, yes. Formed baby. bird, baby bird in the egg. And it had like some yolk, like the hardened yolk. You know, like like you would if you were um, cooking an egg, you know, fried an egg. It had a, you know, and uh, when I, it, it just, like, I saw a skull and a wing. And I was just like, this is a bird bird. <laughs> bird bird. He said, go ahead, let's take a bite. And so I took the bite. <laughs> I took a bite of the the egg and I had the, the tiniest crunch. I don't know if it was skull or. Maybe it's like bird femur or something like that. But it had a little crunch and it just totally freaked me out. And so then I spit it in the trash. And then everybody yelled, No, you do not. This is, you You know, this is very special. Don't do it. So I reach into the work trash can, pull it out, and dump it in my mouth. They're like, No. They're like, No. just sounds like off the charts oh i'm sorry <laughs> i freaked out but i finished it i did finish the rest of the egg and then a few months later so he bought some more back because we had some new co-workers and he had to you know see how people react and that's the second time though i was like you know, no problem okay because for me if it wasn't for the visual it was just stay it was just chicken it was just chicken yeah chick it was a chicken with with fried egg the flavor was very good it was salty and, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't have flavor outside of salt, like a salted chicken with eggs. Right. So that's all the flavor was. It was good, you know, but it was the visual. It was. I still yeah, I see that. that the, like, the embryonic sac that's under the shell. <laughs> in the skull. I, I'm pretty sure I saw a vein in the skull. I don't, oh, <laughs> I yeah. Think, I, think, I think my imagination is making that up. But. It, it, that's possible, but <laughs> I can't tell you because I've never had it. I don't know why I've never had it. That's weird. Yeah. After that, all my Filipino friends were they were just like, yeah, can you do the man? <laughs> <laughs> You're the man. Fist yeah, bump. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Them, and, which is, you know, that's a, a, another part of uh, California that I love so much was, was the multiculturalism. Yeah. So, because at that at that place, you know, it was a Filipino, but we also had some Vietnamese mm. who uh, there, which another culture I got very intimate with. Yeah, they're and, very yeah. friendly too. Yeah, you know, I hung out with so many, so many Vietnamese friends, and I had a, a, a we had a Cambodian roommate. Okay, she'd make fresh fish sauce in the apartment. Oh my gosh! Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And you uh, didn't kick her out <laughs> well eventually but because she didn't pay rent but <laughs> okay she did cook real good though yeah. lots of great we had you know fun oh no 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 it, it was some kind of soup that's very cambodian soup that and she made it all the time all the time that's so how she stayed thin it was just that's mainly what she ate and i was good with it even though i didn't stay thin i don't know how that happened but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh at our church in california we had a heavy korean presence so they would make fresh kimchi kimchi yeah oh man (laughs) which also is terrible to smell (laughs) yeah but it tastes good 
uh, they would have like huge, you know, maybe gallon jars. Oh wow! Gallon gallon jars. They would sell as a, a fundraiser to help support the church and stuff. Okay. And uh, even now, I still have lots of kimchi that I buy. <laughs> really? Uh, it's part of my diet. I, I ate it on everything. That's great. I ate kimchi on everything. So. Wow. Yeah, your California days sound really good. It's where I belong. I mean, you know, life put me where I needed to be. Yeah. Life put me where I needed to be. Uh, I as I felt so much like an outsider in D.C. You know, the expectation of being aggressive and okay. a conformist yeah. really didn't suit with me. And, mm. I, you know, I suffered emotionally and, you know, because of that. But going to California where, uh, especially in, in that Bay Area, mm. like the Oakland, San Francisco, uh, where you can just be free to be yourself. And it was celebrated. You know, if you cut yeah. half your hair off and this side was red and just the front bang was bluish purple. <laughs> It's like better than just having a regular buzz cut. Really? It's fine if you had a buzz cut and they, they were cool with you. But if you, you know, if you had a little bizazz with you, then that was what stood out. It wasn't that your belt was $400 and oh, that's what made you popular. okay. It's because, oh man, you know, you like to, you, know, you like to bull ride and skateboard, you know? It's like, yeah. all right, cool, perfect. That's, you know, yeah. you're doing something unique and that's what we like about you. I can feel that. That's so great. Was that apparent as soon as you moved there? Yes. So you were immediately comfortable, or did it take some time to uh, come we, out of your shell? It took some time to come. It's well, just a little bit of time because everybody, to, in, in my perspective of being a Washingtonian, everybody was weird. See, we were taught that if somebody's doing something different, they're weird, and they should be feared or cautioned. You got to put a, a like, you know, you got to be ready to deal with this person because they're doing something out of the norm. This is very interesting. So when you see people, you know, a person with a, weren't all black, with all black nails, like, okay, this person's going to be a threat of some sort. Right. Or somebody's, um, you know, a white guy with a military haircut, he's going to be a threat to me. Wow. You know, that's how we, that's how you treat people who are different. And this was largely unspoken. Yeah, unspoken. Well, you know what? Not really. Okay. So one of the things happening, and and I and I and I was, I'm speaking on black, the black community, but I can't, you know, every area is different. But mm. I find as I travel across the across the world, across the United States specifically, that there's a lot of shared uh, expectation in the black culture. So when I, you know, here when I'm the super minority, you know, what I mean? it's like mm-hmm. just I mean, as you probably, <laughs> probably get, I am you know, too. Yeah, but you know, it's like when you do reach connect with somebody of the same culture, you know, racial culture, then it's kind of, there's like the shared kinship that's automatically established. And no, and like, no matter how they live a rural life, if they're from here and I grew up in the city, our family still has so many of the same music and things, you know? So, so, so even though I'm speaking for the black community and there's like, you know, a millions, millions of us all over the country, (laughs) you know, it's different. It's kind of same. But, um, that being mm-hmm. said, when we was in California, yeah, that we had that that expectation that there's a certain way you do things, and if you're doing it outside of that, it's a threat. And like when I was in school, it, it all black school, majority black. You know, we probably had ten percent white and others. You know, okay. Couple. I remember we had we had uh, in my high school we had three Asian kids, and they were brothers. So. Oh. <laughs> Pin, 
Ben and Ching Chong. <laughs> not even, not even kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they were all our valedictorians every year. No way. Yeah. That's so funny. Ben, 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 and Ben. And ben. That is very but anyway, funny. But yeah, they were our valedictorian all three years. Big shout out to Ben. Because when it came time for me to write my essay for college, there was no help. My parents were like, I don't know. <laughs> and I did it on my own. And Ben helped me write. And, uh, you know, we didn't really deal with each other that much. We both were in student council. I was, uh, okay. uh, you know, in student leadership. And he helped me write my college acceptance. And I got accepted <gasps> in college. My first college, the only one I, like, applied to wow. in Maryland. And um, I got in. That's great. So even to this day, if I'm on Facebook and I see him doing something, but man, thank you so much for helping me. I know that was 30 years ago or whatever, 20, 25 years ago. Appreciate you, Ben. All right. Back to the. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But in in our high schools and stuff in in DC, in Maryland, they, uh, like the teachers, you know, in the black culture, there's a, a need, there's always been a need to be very protective. Okay. You know, um, unfortunately, in our culture, you know, we've always been seen as a threat. Although, you know, and I and please let it be known, people need to realize, like, when black people were brought here as slaves, you know, we had to be super docile because that's the only way to survive. Yeah. And throughout history, you know, we've always tried to, you know, there's been, you know, I mean, we've had our moments. But in order to survive, you had to kind of submit to authority in a way. You know, the best in the best way you can. Even in, you know, the bus boycotts and things like that that happened in the civil rights movement. You know, going to a restaurant and just standing there. I mean, we could have burned the restaurant down. Yeah. But we instead of, instead of knocking over buses because we weren't allowed to ride. We had to sit in the back of buses. Mm. We decided to give each other rides and walk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, but people always use the threat of black people as a way of of uh, building fear in their community to then retaliate against other blacks to, to to oppress. Right. And so when I was growing up in school, you know, they would tell you all the time, hey, if you're going somewhere and you see white people, you need to act a certain way to maintain your safety Whoa. or to keep a barrier. And I never really thought about it until I got older. I was like, hey, there were white kids in that class. <laughs> <laughs> like white kids in that class were like you gotta be careful the white man because he'll do this and that to you oh, you know man. and I was oh. like yeah yeah okay you know it's same thing that we got everywhere and it was like hey how's it going Brian <laughs> <laughs> you feel okay today you wanna go play hopscotch is, yeah. is hopscotch on the menu today <laughs> oh, it makes me feel sad that like children kind of are told that or you know because yeah. I mean they probably wouldn't even no we wouldn't know but, to behave differently but we had to yeah because uh, you know my, my dad I, I was very fortunate to grow up with my parents I, I won the lottery wow in terms of people who are civil and who who understand relationships you know my parents just they were they were class acts wow. you know the way they dressed the way they you know, there's their personal behavior, disciplines, you know. And because of that, then um, I learned how to behave well. And, and you know, and that's why, like I said, part of my superpower was building connections. Because if I go somewhere, I just knew how to behave well enough that people enjoy my company. Yeah. You know, and then and then you establish a relationship that way. Um, a lot of 
unfortunately, a lot of the you know people I did know they didn't have that same sort of upbringing because of the kind of aggressiveness, mm-hmm. and people took the aggressiveness of, of African Americans as um, as a th- as a threat as well, and so it become uncomfortable, and so they wouldn't want to engage. Yeah, you know, it's hard to engage when you feel like you're being threatened. Yeah, and then and then on both sides, then people would just keep these boundaries up with each other. Yeah, and it's so uh, I mean, it's just so many people never gone anywhere in, wor- in the world. They're afraid to do anything because mm-hmm. everything's a threat. Okay, you know, yeah, life is not meant to be lived. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, life is not meant to be lived that way. There's a lot of fear, a lot of yeah, a lot of fear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, when we moved to California, and um, people were kind of just opening their doors to us, you know, at first it felt like a threat, but after, over time. It became like okay, I could be vulnerable with you. Okay, you know I could be vulnerable with you. Now, I had to adapt confidence, and my dad helped me with this, and and he still does to us in terms of being okay with who who, who you are, and and, and mm. like although I've never been a violent person, in my mind I feel like I could attack if necessary. Okay, I'm not afraid to. Okay, hey, we're gonna get in confrontation. Although I'm not trained very well. <laughs> I'm not trained well. I haven't been working out my whole life, so I don't know what gives me the perception that I would be able to, yeah, you know, defend myself well, or Mm -hmm. you know, or but I just got this confidence for some reason, you know. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, go with that. And so then I can go into a vulnerable situation and be okay with it because I'm not afraid of the, you know, what might happen. You're safe within yourself. I'm safe within myself. Wow, I never thought of it that way. I've thought about this a lot. Mm. <laughs> you know, I ask myself, why do I feel so unsafe in the world? That's because I don't feel safe within myself. Because mm. if you know that you can handle anything, you're not going to be afraid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like swimming. Like swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not a good swimmer. Because, yeah. you know, more time in the water. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. I started with, uh, when I learned to swim, because uh, it's, you know, Definitely one of those things in the black community, a lot of, you know, due to some repressive or oppressive uh, practices, you know, they started kicking black kids out of pools and stuff, and they stopped uh, upgrade, up, upkeeping the communities. So then a lot of people didn't learn to swim because they thought of it as a threat. Oh, my we go goodness. To the, we go to swimming pools, like my parents and things, they went to <clears> swimming <throat> pools because of the, you know, perceived threats that they would get trying to be there and trying to participate as a kid. Then they didn't teach their kids to swim because they thought we weren't allowed to go swim. Right. Which then people thought black people just can't swim because they didn't know. But they didn't. They you know no. If you're not living that life where someone kicks you out of a pool because of your skin color, yeah. Then and you never see black people swim. You think oh physically, right? Black people can't swim. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, but as a kid, you know, my parents they gave me swim lessons. They got me swim lessons, and I learned to swim. And so, uh, what I started doing was I would pretend to not pretend to drown like but i would just float i learned to float i would just be at peace in the water without moving my arms and legs just if i go down if i go up the water's in my face alone on my nose just be at peace i love that and that taught me how to which i never you know had a i didn't have a conceptual i didn't uh, have a term that bring mm. it together like you just gave me but just peace with it yeah and it's my favorite thing to do and if I get in a pool, I jump in the pool. I swim for a little while, but all I want to do is float. One time I was in Florida, 
and uh, I was with my family, and I was just floating in the ocean, which ocean water, of course, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. It's holds you. Yeah. It, it, it protects you. And, but, and I fell asleep, and I went about half a mile. No way. I went about half a mile down, and I freaked out, but I, but I did not go out. Good. I'm glad I didn't go out. I, I just went down the coast. That's incredible. You fell asleep. I fell asleep. You were that. That's how safe you felt. That's how safe I felt. It was foolish, but <laughs> it was foolish. But it definitely was my favorite kind of moment, mm. you know, to be okay. Like I knew I was confident enough in my swimming abilities. You know, I didn't. I didn't allow the fear of the water, and in in its great power. I mean, we mm-hmm. know how powerful water is. Yes. What could have happened to me that day? Yeah. You know, it was a lot to lose. I already had, my kids were there, my wife was there, and I could have foolishly lost my life, you know, just being a little bit naive, but at the same time, the peace. Yeah. The sun, you know, it's just beautiful. I really love that too. When I'm in the ocean, I just want to float and look up at the sky. Mm-hmm. It's such a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. You just feel so free and held and peaceful, yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that sun... When it hits you and it just, you know, it's like you're kind of cool in the back, but the front is, empowers me. Although you get tired. <laughs> well, you get really tired in the sun, but. <laughs> so what happened when you woke up? I freaked out. I was like, where am I? And so I, I looked and then I just, I, I I figured which way I went. Okay. You know, I figured I went and I just started walking and my wife, she was freaking out. She was like, oh gosh. where'd you go? You know, why'd you swim so far away? Blah, blah. I was like, oh, I just kind of fell asleep. Yeah, it took me a little while to get back, you know. Maybe I wasn't quite like half a mile. Maybe I was like more a quarter mile. It wasn't that, you know, maybe a 10 minute walk or so back up the beach wow. to get back to them. But I was yeah. a little ways down. <laughs> Do you know how long you were asleep for? Or how long you were missing for? Uh, missing it, it, it was under half an hour. Okay. It was under half an hour. That's yeah. wild. But it was just long enough that she couldn't see me anymore. And she was in the ocean with two little kids, too. So that was kind of irresponsible, too. But I just, it's just relaxing. And I just, I always love that feeling. I'm always chasing that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, even right here. I mean, I'm sure we all got schedules and things going on, but. Yeah. I'm just really enjoying this moment, you know. Yeah. yeah. But to be present, that's where it's at. Yeah. I'm trying to be more like that. Mm. with everything i think i'm good at it now (laughs) is there like a time of the day that's just like your best time for being more present well i guess with myself in the morning when i because i wake up before everyone else Mm. and i'm just alone with my own thoughts and stuff that's good training yeah you know Mm -hmm. and then i observe where my mind goes and yeah but i guess the hardest is when I'm with the kids and there's so many other things happening and I just try and zero in and listen to what they're saying. That's kind of the hardest part that I'm still working on. Yeah. Because, you know, they usually, they'll get my attention when I'm in the middle of cooking or, you know, or when I'm in the middle of like 500 different things. Yes. (laughs) And then I kind of have to shut those down and listen to them. Yeah, That always worries me personally as well. I remember being a kid and my parents being very busy. And not having much time with them in that regard. You know, I went a lot with my dad to work, you know, weekends and things. My dad worked every day. Gosh. So I, I would go with him a lot. And that was our hangout time. You know, we, yeah. I remember riding with him in his truck and 
Aww. you know, we'll get a little McDonald's meal or something, you know, and I would, I would help customers and things like that. Wow. Um, but in terms of like, oh, hey, dad, you know, I'm drawing superhero comics. Would you draw with me? Those moments really didn't very far, a few, few and far between. Yeah. But he had to work, you know, he supported all of us and he wanted to build a good life for our family, you know, yeah. so I don't resent that at all. Yeah, I'm just, but I do keep that into observation, especially being a busy person myself. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, my, my son, he likes wrestling. He likes, uh, you know, WWE wrestling. Does he? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I enjoy it, you know, but I don't really care. But It's not your thing. But he's like, Dad, watch the, you know, the WrestleMania with me. I'm like, how long? I had 30 minutes. <laughs> you want me to spend a whole 30 minutes with you and pay attention and because he wants to he wants me to you know be watching the wrestlers and knowing yeah. their names and stuff you know <laughs> I was like okay I won't look at my phone for 30 whole minutes <laughs> I know it's back there pinging and pinging but, all right. and I, I try I'm just I try yeah I try. that's why I really wanted him to come with us today because mm. it's just been another opportunity to do something different together. Yeah, but, that would have been fun, but yeah. we're tired. Yeah, they, they did a good job oh, with oh, the play. I was really glad you all came. That means a lot to me, to be honest. Be honest I was so you. excited. I was oh. telling, I, I was texting you in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get to see a musical oh. here. I've never, seen, we've never been to like a, a production like that. Okay. In, since we moved here in London I was in musicals all the time oh, okay. <laughs> watching musicals and yeah. I love musicals and so you told me that and I was just like I can't believe you didn't tell me this earlier oh. you know but I think we can come and um, so anyway I go to Sam's where he works mm-hmm. and the moment I walk in the door I haven't even said anything you know because I was just like beaming <laughs> he was like what what I'm like we can go and see Annie tonight oh. <laughs> please can we go and yeah so that was that was neat because the kids have never seen Oh, a play wow. or a musical and I wanted them and then it's kids too so yeah. it's really you know yeah just a, kids just a little bit older than they are yeah and I, I, I didn't realize I didn't know how the setup was going to be you know kids did a good job yeah you know working in that environment you kind of got to really use your imagination yeah you know? and yeah it takes a lot to to do that to be brave enough to do that oh yeah, yeah. Family, family and friends and school yeah I find a lot of people are like singing is, uh, is like if public speaking is, you know, people's greatest fear, then to do it to melody is that much harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, it's one thing to talk, but then I got to sing yeah. in front of people, you know, so it's, it's, it's the next level of bravery for me, you know, to me. It is scary to sing. It feels very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Yeah. But that kid who played Annie. Right? Her voice? She's good. She's very good. Yeah. Yeah, I took I took note of that. Yeah, big time. And it was just so cute how like the kids when they're near the back of the stage and you could see them because oh, they're not really backstage, yeah. you know, and they're all singing along and it was just sweet. Yeah, it was so I, I was it made, it brought me a lot of joy being in watch yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And you said all of your kids were in it. Yeah, both. Yeah, my my daughter uh, Soraya, she was there. She was the. Well, she was the only other African-American kid in the, in the, in the play. Uh, she was one of the, the star singers. That was the name of her role, was star to, to be. Uh, when they were... I'm trying to remember where they were at that time in the story. I think Annie had already moved on. Okay. She was with them. And then it was like some two girls that were singing. And they were like doing a little dance number. 
But that was my that was my daughter. And then my oh, son. Oh, was it never you never you never fully dressed without a smile? Was it that one? It could have been that song. Okay. Man, that's terrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been that song. Yeah, she sang that one. And then my son was the president. I know. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, how did he feel when he got that role? That's funny. You know what? He actually was disappointed because he wanted oh. to sing and dance more. Okay. But then he, you know, he, he got to wear a suit, so he was happy about that. <laughs> and then they did let him allow him to, to stand up to sing. I forgot uh, if it was like the closing number or something like that. So he got to do that. So he was happy about that. But, um, or I think it was the opening number. He got to sing and dance. So Okay. Oh, we that missed worked. that. Oh, we were like ten minutes late. I'm like, we're gonna miss it so hard, oh. you know. It's hard not like for us. Yeah. I can't believe we're gonna miss that. But they they, yeah. they, 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 they did a great job on that part. Oh man, did you you miss that part too? I missed that part. Oh okay, okay. I didn't remember how far along. That's it was. the first song, isn't it? Uh, no, they had actually couple, they, they had, had an like overture. Full, some kind of overture, yeah. They had like a four part thing. That was that's probably like the the first major song, second major song, but um, but I couldn't remember how. And they did, their voices were so big in that moment. It was pretty cool. We'll get the D, we got, we ordered the DVD. So, oh, there was a, oh, yeah, there was a guy recording your right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we got the DVD, so I have to forward it. So, yeah, that would be good because it was really hard to see for the kids. We were right on the edge, and there were loads of people, so I got them standing on the on the chair so okay. they could see, you know. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nina was really into it. Really? Jack was kind of, <laughs> oh, okay. not as much of it. Yeah, now, sure. I don't know if you had saw, but part of it was, uh, so it was the Corbin Elementary School. Okay. But it was also the School of Innovation, which is like a Montessori homeschool group. Really? And they combined the two to put the production on. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know there were two different schools. So two schools, and that's why that's why some of the, those old, like the older characters, right. they were able to play because they were part of the home Montessori system. Oh wow, mm -hmm. I did see that Montessori sign. Yeah. So those kids, is that like a drama club that they do after school or? Yeah, like my kids were in it. The elementary school kids. Okay. But uh, and I'm not sure about the uh, the school innovation. How they do they participate the whole time, or you know maybe they had their own practices and came in late. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I wasn't even aware that they it was a dual participation until later on. And I was like, oh, you know, they maybe a week or so before the play. And I was like, oh man, right. I didn't realize that. So that that wasn't the high school. No, no, no. That was just the elementary school. Just fourth and oh. fourth and fifth grade only. Fourth and fifth. Yeah. Is that all you call elementary? Well, uh, in the Corbin school system. Right. Okay. So they have a primary school, which is kindergarten, first, second, third, and then they have elementary, which is fourth and fifth, and then middle school, which is sixth, seventh, eighth. Oh. And then high school starts at night. See, we don't have middle school in the Philippines. Oh. So when I think of elementary, it's like from when you're nine till you're. High school. High school. Oh, okay. I see. I get it. Yeah, okay. they had middle school. So, which I've I've never seen a school that broke up the grades as much as Corbin. Actually, they before they it was it was kindergarten first, second, third, fourth. Like every two years was a different school. Right. And but now they've combined them a little bit. They've shifted around. Okay. So, um, but it was so it was, I, it was a pretty interesting system for me, and I, I haven't really looked into you know what maybe the benefits were or why they broke it down because most. American schools that I 
you know, I'm familiar with, it would be elementary would be kindergarten, kindergarten through sixth grade. That's one school. Right. And then middle school would be seventh, eighth, and the high school is ninth through on up. So that's so confusing to me. Yeah, that's a general <laughs> school, you know. Right. Okay. At least from you know places I've been. And so, how old are your kids? Eleven and ten. My daughter's the oldest at eleven, and my son's ten. So they weren't born here. No, no, no. Because you've been here eight years. We're nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Yeah, just nine. I think this July will be nine years. Okay. So yeah, yeah. No, they were born in California and stuff, and they're actually adopted, so they're not biologically ours. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. But we got them when they were, my daughter was five months and my son, we right from the hospital. So, oh. yeah, that was a uh, kind of an interesting moment because uh, we were foster parents, you know, we were kind of just, we, we had wanted to adopt and going through the foster system was, you know, a little bit easier to deal with, especially financially. Okay. Kind of to do it that way. But we, we were just fostering children, just, you know, getting our bearings. We had we had had kids. So I think we have been married about 10 years by that time. So, yeah, yeah, 10 years. We had been married 10 years, and we didn't have any of our own. And we had some, some kids for fostering. But then we they called about our daughter, and we were fostering, like, four-year-olds. Okay. And, uh, we had never fostered, like, an infant. Right. They were like, hey, we got this little girl. You know, it's just going to be very temporary, just, like, a week. And then her mom's going to get her back. Just a little situation. You know, could you, would you mind, you know, taking her in? We're like, I don't know. They're like, you don't even need a crib. Don't even worry about it, you know. Just get you a little car seat. And oh, my God. Don't worry about it, you know. We're like, okay, we, you know. Wow. So we go, and you know, it's just a little bundle of joy, mm. you know. And, uh, which is just, her middle name is Joy, and that's because of that oh moment when we first saw her. She was such a sweet, all of us, we were all just looking at her because she was so, so happy. And we started taking care of her. It's about a month. You know, we had her for about a month, which was supposed to be a week, but all right. <laughs> you know, we've had her for a month, but we knew she was going to go back home. Right. And they call us, they say, hey, listen, we thank you so much. We know it's only supposed to be a week and that, you know, you've had her for a little while now. We got a baby boy just born. His mom's already terminated rights. It could be, and no, you guys wouldn't be normally be up, but because you did us the solid, we'll bump you on the line, let you take him. Whoa. Have him as your... You can adopt them. You know, eventually you'll be most likely be able to adopt them. We don't we don't foresee it, you know, going, All right, let's do it. So there was no you didn't have to think about it. You're just like Yeah, we're like, let's do it. Because that was our opportunity to actually adopt a kid. And a newborn at that, right? Yeah. So here we are, never having kids, you know, never having infants at all. Now we had a five month old and a newborn. (laughs) He was seventeen days old. Oh my God! We had like literally, like we literally had to go buy cribs, and we had to go, you know, what car seats, double stroller. We, oh my God! I love mm-hmm. this story. Wow! And of course, she never went back home. So yeah. So they've been together. So they're they're actually only five months apart. So some this of those people so are like, crazy. how can wow. they both be in the same grade? It's like because he'll be turning eleven here in a couple of weeks, right? Or in, in July, and she was uh, in her birthday's end of January, so. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions about this. <laughs> so, How long can you stay? What time is it? I don't know, yeah, probably. 10.36. We've been doing, I think we started 9.20. Okay. So, do you know what's your schedule today? Uh, I do have to meet a client here. Okay. Come up, uh, is this 10.26? 10.36. 10.36. Uh, probably another 30 minutes. But I hate to keep, you know, it's, a, it's not too long, is it? Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Oh, okay. I've done, my longest one's three hours. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like a Joe Rogan episode. Yeah, I, man, 
Because uh, I've listened to them all. I'm trying to think which <laughs> Really? Yeah, it's my always. neighbor Chris was three hours. Really? It was three hours? Yeah. Three hours? Oh, wow. Uh, when I was listening to your podcast, I got most of the ones that I missed from like the initial one and stuff were for, um, I was off for all spring break. We were doing things around the house. Okay. Like we painted our, our shed and we, and so I just had the podcast go on. I was listening, you know. I appreciate that. I never, Keith. I didn't realize it was three hours. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's really very, um, easy to listen to, I guess, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's a good storyteller. So yeah, so I can sit here for three hours if you want. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what time do you need to go? Uh, part eleven. Okay. I hate, I hate to, you know, it's whatever you want to talk about. I don't want to, like, just take up all of. <laughs> yeah, no, I want to hear more about this because it's like yeah. it's basically like having twins. Like you got two kids all of a sudden. Yeah. What was that like? It was a bit nerve wracking. My wife's the the most organized of the two of us, as would be. You know, she she's the most organized, and so. And she's really on top of things, but she worries, as would be, you know. She she worries a lot. And I'm like, I was like, all right, what are we, we got 20 kids, and I'll figure it out, you know. But then who's going to fill out all the insurance paperwork? It ain't going to be me. Like, I, don't, I would I would do it. It's yeah. just it's not going to be right. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, not to I, be trusted. Yeah, I'm confident in filling out 20 kids' insurance papers. It's just not going to be <laughs> Handwriting's gonna be pretty bad, but anyway. <laughs> so she, you know, she was doing the freaking out for us. Okay. And it's like, you know, what do you feed babies? What do you, you know, what do you feed infants? Okay, this one's, you know, colicky. What do you, you know? And it's like you got one, and then you have another one. <laughs> you know, it's one thing if you just have one. It's like, okay, I'm trying to deal with this this issue, but we have two of them going through at the same time. My God. Changing two diapers at the same time. You know, I mean, which there are plenty of people have twins and triplets and things like that, but I just I can't imagine. I can't. I mean, I used to wear uh, what do you call those Bjorns? Uh, oh, the baby carriers. The baby carriers. Yeah. I had two. I had one on front, one on back, and I would carry oh, one. I carry. I carry both. Do I chores. love that. I love that. And I, I definitely loved it. And and they grew up same room, same everything, but um, you know, we dressed them similar and stuff. Because it's just easier, you know, mm-hmm. just easier than have all these separate clothes, separate yeah, everything. Yeah, practical. But of course, they their personalities just went their own different ways, and it definitely showed that nature of nurture, you know. Right. Um, we didn't sleep much, you know. One wasn't crying, <laughs> the other one was crying. That's how I went. Did they cry right. at the same time? Yeah. No. Oh well, that's good. No, no, they took turns. <laughs> like, hey, you done crying? Oh, okay, I'm gonna cry next. <laughs> three, I'm gonna give them three more minutes. I think they're gonna sleep by now. Nope. So you know, a lot I'm of not that. sure which is better. <laughs> it was, it was a lot. Now they didn't share a lot of sickness, which was awesome. Like if somebody kind of got a flu, you know, some kind of baby sickness, whatever. Yeah. Or even as kids, you know, if somebody catches the flu, the other one didn't get it. So we've been fortunate. Like I don't, you know, which shows genetically how different we are. You know, what we're susceptible to. Wow. Um, so you know, it wasn't that hard. You know, sometimes we had a, like a, we had a double stroller. We had a wagon. We put both in. Mm. You know, we did car seats at the same time. They had their own personality. So while they shared toys, they did share toys a little. But, the, you know, my daughter, she loved keyboard music and stuff. My son loved blocks. And, you know, they okay. had these different interests. So it's not 
it was easy to keep things separate and not have too many fights because oh, they had their course. own interests. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think now, looking back, it was, it was good. But it was just, I think the sleep issue was the, probably the worst part. Yeah. It's taken a long time to learn to sleep, especially my son. Yeah. It's taken a long time to learn to sleep. But we kept a quiet house. And that was, I tell young parents at all time, I'm like, look, I know you was looking forward to some Netflix special. And <laughs> you want to put music on for the kids. I said, you can't. If you want to have peace, you have to be peaceful. <laughs> yes. It worked for us. Yeah. At, you know, seven o'clock, all the lights go out. All the TVs go off, even our own phones, and we sit in the dark. And then they fall asleep, and then we turn everything back on. <laughs> and they learn to sleep eventually, and so now they're really peaceful sleepers. It has been oh good that helped us out because the no sleep thing. I remember one time I was taking a class. I was so sleep deprived, I threw up in class. Oh no! Yeah, I didn't even. Make, I just like I ran to the, the bathroom. I, I didn't even make it to the door. I just threw up in the trash can. Oh man! Good thing no bullet was in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> cut that out of here. But, yeah, yeah, because I was so sleep deprived. But once we got the sleep wow. thing down, uh, the rest of it raising kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sleep is really brutal yeah. when they're young. Yeah. That was brutal. The no sleep. We actually came here to visit because we. <laughs> this is how fast we got those kids. We had a trip planned to Kentucky already. Oh, really? Air- to move here? No, uh, just to visit. Oh, just to visit. Just okay. to visit. We had um, her brother. Uh, her brother. So my wife's family, there are nine. Well, there's now 11. But there were nine kids all be- all born in a two-year, on a two or three-year time frame. Whoa. So right now we have between the ages of 12 and uh, was it 12 we have between the age of 12 and uh that's three three after 12 that's nine right nine yeah the age between the age of 12 there's nine kids or something like Jeez. that something similar to like maybe there's eight of them and right. one's like a little yeah. younger than that yeah so everybody just had an explosion of kids and we were coming to visit you know this whole like her sister had twins and it was Wow. Well, well, at that time, actually, at that time, she didn't have the twins yet, but she she had one. Like, everybody just had a kid. And everybody had been married for, like, a decade and no kids. So we went from zero kids <laughs> oh my to all the kids <laughs> <laughs> in her family and her, and her, all her wow. siblings and everything. Just everybody decided to have kids at the same time. And so we had planned to come visit these kids who all just been born. Right. Not knowing. Before our before our trip started, we were going to have two of our own. Oh, my god! And my son was only like a month or two. He was like a month old. You know, we had to get special permission. You know, they, were, they weren't adopted yet, so we had to get mm. special to, to take them. We're like, look, we bought these plane tickets already. Now, the plane, they actually didn't charge us for the kids because they were on the lap mm-hmm. and they were so young. Yeah. But, so we didn't have to worry about that. But we had to have all the documentation from court and all these Whoa. moving pieces to get these kids to Kentucky. And then we added our two to the bunch. No one slept. Oh my god! It was just crying and diapers, just a whole gaggle of chaos. Wow! And we would pass each other in the night, two o'clock in the morning. People were feeding babies. <laughs> we brought my little sister with us. She also came with us because okay. she was her first time to Kentucky. Wow! And, and you know she was—I think she was still in high school. Maybe she was early college. It was two thousand? This is oh yeah no, no she was in college. Yeah she okay. had to be college age because she had graduated high school by now. But, um, and so her first, 
<laughs> she had to see like nine babies. We're like, see, see, have babies too early. See what happens. <laughs> oh my god! There's a whole mess of kids. This yeah. is so nuts. And we were just sharing bottles and. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's beautiful. Though. But it was nice. It's nice. And now, and now we live here. You know, who we we didn't know we were gonna live here then. Yeah. So but, what happened? She just wanted to move back. Your wife just wanted to move back. Yeah, we we just found living in the Bay Area, this traffic every day. You know, I had an hour and a half commute. It was only thirty miles. Like we would go to parks, and just needles and just weird people. I use the term weird. Uh, forgive me because I'm sure you're just a lovely person, but freak me out. So, and the kids couldn't play at the parks, mm. and there was no, you know, we had sidewalks, but you couldn't walk up it because crazy people driving all over the place. So, mm. and then the housing prices were. Oh yeah, insane. Oh the housing prices were insane. You know, we were just stressing ourselves out, trying to do things and, and survive. So it's just like to move. Her her dad's health had declined, and you know, and then we had all the nieces and nephews. Everybody's there, so it's like we can all be together. Yeah. So we did. Yeah. We did. We just we made a plan. You know, we got you know got out of our place and we moved here, and um, I'm so glad. Yeah. So glad. Is it your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do miss California a lot. I miss DC. Uh, I know my Washingtonians are probably like, Keith, <laughs> you got to represent, man. You got to love it. And I love the, I love where I grew up in DC. I love that I had a hustle mentality I, that I had some aggression to me. You mm-hmm. know, that I, I, I build up courage yeah. in DC and yeah. I build up uh, character. Mm-hmm. But in California, I got to build up community. Mm. And I do miss my community in there. I miss, you know, I still talk to a lot of people. Um, and I, I, and, the indiv- and being an individual, I get that. And here, I'm learning to enjoy nature. I'm learning to um, en- enjoy the moments. Yeah. I'm really, you know, I'm really enjoying, like, the ride here, driving up 11 and 18, 1304, no. 18, 1803. Yeah. You know, right. The 804, like those just back roads and just looking at people's houses in there. They end up had the people with the the dome places where you grow plants. Oh, the um, greenhouses? Greenhouses and, you know, just looking at people's trailers and whatever, you know? Yeah. It's just nice. It's peaceful. Did it's you coming. go through the, was that the, the shortcut? Yeah, probably. Where it's like up and down a lot. Mm-hmm. You go through there. I went through there. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The road gets all narrow. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey. And sometimes it's like two, two or three days ago. No, I think it was on Tuesday. I was on my way back home. Mm-hmm. And there was a school bus just speeding down those tiny roads. And I'm like, I saw it just at the right time. Of, you know, yeah, trying to get it. Yeah, because we wouldn't really fit there if we were just like, oh, man. <laughs> Some people are just like, yeah. wow. But yeah. it's beautiful here. I just, yeah, the hills, right? It's yeah just yeah. exceptional I, live, I always tell people how so behind me is a cow farm right there's cows back there my neighbor to the right of me has horses and wow. sprawling place I can have you before you guys leave I bet you guys come over yeah and then on the other side they have chickens and oh. they have ducks and pigs and bees pigs and too lake. my son you know him him and my neighbor him and his and the little girl uh, same age you know, they just take the fishing poles and they just go fish in his pond. And we don't eat it. 
Okay, <laughs> you just you just, put, just it back. put it back. Yeah. But you know, he could just take fishing bro, go right next door and go That's fishing. So great. And you can't you know, I just don't get that in a lot of places. You live in a city. Yeah. You know. And I enjoy a good suit and you know, a nice cigar like anybody else, but <laughs> you know, sushi and you know and i and i love going like we saw plays and things mm, yeah. you know i just i remember when i worked at in oakland or in san francisco or even oakland yeah oakland too uh oakland had a really famous um jazz restaurant bar okay called yoshi's yoshi's and they i mean they had literally every international jazz wow you know on a Thursday night, it's like, oh, let me see Coco, you know, mm. whoever, just Japanese violin, jazz, superstar. Oh, my favorite drummer of my whole life. Oh, he'll be playing there next <laughs> wow. Wednesday. Let me go off, maybe I have to work. Eh, would I go see him today? Eh, maybe, you know? Yeah. You know, next door, I've seen so many, you know, you know, I remember seeing Bruno Mars, before, you know, when he was just getting famous, him yeah. and Janae Monet, just on a random Wednesday night. You know the band Jamiroquois? Yeah, yeah. Saw them just on some random day. Wow. Like, oh, Cross playing next week? Yeah, I guess I'll go. Yeah. You can't, I mean. You can't do that you here. Can't. Yeah. I know the closest thing is High Street Sound, so thank you. <laughs> You're You're I know. I do miss that about London. I'm, I, yeah. I'm, it's good to I'm be really in the city, miss. but I love the country. I love the country. I, I don't think I've moved back for sure. You can give me all the sushi <laughs> in the world would get me. <laughs> to leave, to leave, and cost my mamma, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. and and learn how to do things on my own. Mm. I love that spirit of Kentuckians, where you, yeah, and us uh, when they talk about a problem, they start talking about solutions. That's good, and that you know they're not trying to buy the solution, they're trying to make yeah. the solution. Yeah, you know, there's an independence with that, and mm. I wish I was, I wish I I would take better time to work on that with people i haven't I haven't quite connected with that yet i mean i had lots of people who were willing to help me and you know we talk about helping me but yeah. i kind of have to do a lot about myself yeah but i you know i wish it was like more of a oh hey come next door i'm putting up this building mm. come help me you know because yeah. i would be there yeah you know and i would love to have the back and forth like man, I, I don't feel like i need a person to do that i just like the community yeah my dad did that when i was a kid he would have like my dad we had like, say he was redoing the grass or something like that, okay. or had like we were cutting down a tree. He would have big barbecue. His buddies would come Aww. over and cut the tree down. Yeah, they would barbecue afterwards. And as a kid, it was the best times. Yeah, you know, just some of his buddies would come. We would play ping pong. We had a ping pong table. Mm. Play ping pong, hang out. They would drink a little beer. You know, I love that. And we just I haven't quite connected to that here. Yeah, I haven't quite connected to that. Dude. That is really. I'd love to have that experience. I know what you mean. Like, people are... There's so much pride. Like, I'm just going to do it on my own. But I think there are... Like, I was talking to Maggie. Did you hear her podcast? She mm -hmm. said, you know, they have family come over to help butcher chickens because they, they would do, like, 200 at a time or yes. something. Yeah. And she said it. she really cherishes that, having everyone over working on one thing. Yes. Yeah. I, I see, like, uh, I know, like, Italian families, they do, like, the tomato thing. You know, where they jar the tomatoes and they'll have like, it just, they just know. It's oh. like, okay, hey, the tomatoes are, and we're going to pick these tomatoes. We're going to can them and, you know, get them ready for the sauce. 
and I like I want to have experiences like that. You know, yeah. I think our families are kind of like, everybody's kind of doing their thing, and you know, we get together for Easter and stuff like that. But I want to be like, what mm. you know, what are you you got to dig a ditch today? All right, I'm bring me and the kids and the family girl come over. You know, we'll dig ditch, we'll eat some food, we'll spend time, we'll talk. Yeah, I want to have that. We got to bring that back. Yeah. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? <laughs> oh, just let me know what the next project is. Man, <laughs> but I have to see my problem is I fill my schedule up. Yeah. And I have to let go of some things, including money. Let go of some money. That way I'm available. Yeah. I find that's my biggest, that's my biggest weakness in life. My availability mm-hmm. to my family, to my friends. Yeah. You know, to my wife. I try to, you know, last night um, I played that show and she came with me. You know, but I felt kind of bad because it's like she she's here, but I'm I'm still working. Right. Although I'm here to, you know, yeah, I'm still working. So better than True. not. Yeah. yeah but I just need to have more time to be like, oh, I'm still hang out. You'll get there. Yeah. It's evolution. Yeah. Slowly, baby steps to. Yeah, I've cut back, even though it's crazy. But I'm cut back. <laughs> so I'm trying. <laughs> really, you were yeah. much busier before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If you if if I if I was a single, that's why I think I needed to be married and have children. Because if I was a single person, sleep would not be something that would happen in my life. Really, I would never sleep. I could easily fill up my day with business. Yeah, I could too. Yeah, especially if I lived in the city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I used to love coming off work. You know, have my, I would loosen my tie, and that air in the city. You know, there was like. It felt like things were happening. I remember in L.A. I, I work in L.A. sometimes. I'd be on Figueroa, you know, and you just kind of, which is the Figueroa is like where the Staples Center is, it's like the main hub. Didn't I know that? Um, in um, in L.A. Seventh Street, Figueroa is kind of like that's where it's happening, where everything's okay. happening. And I would get off work, you know, and it's like all those business people, and I was like my briefcase, and it's like, yeah, man, it's like it's time to. You know, I don't know if I was like the Wolf of Wall Street or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, but you oh, know, I'm getting that feeling. I had that feeling that yeah. you know, the sense of little arrogance, and um, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to. I, I would stay late from work just so I can get off late enough to get outside when it's felt most dangerous. <laughs> Unfortunately, in LA, what happens is um, everything closes at six. Everything closes at six. Everyone gets off at four thirty. You go to happy hour, right? You can go have like. Kobe beef sliders and like mimosas, four thirty for like three dollars, right? You know, great cocktails, you know, aged scotch for like four or five dollars, right? It's the best. Everybody's Gosh. there with their suit and ties on, or just ties and you know, with dresses. And then six o'clock hits, everybody's out of the city. Homeless come, they start setting up their homes, cardboard homes, shanty shacks, tents. And they just line the city with tents, with tents and sheds, and makeshift homes. And then they take over the city, and they're walking the streets. And really, yeah, you know, and like where all the bars and stuff are. That's mm-hmm. where they. Yep, all the restaurants and stores put down the the metal, the metal blockades uh, or whatever the shed doors. Right. For the, in front of the business, lock up all their bar with windows and everything, and then the homeless are out. And only things open, maybe a couple convenience stores, things like that, gas stations. Wow, I did not. Yeah. That's not how I envisioned. That's L.A. Right down from the Staples Center where the Lakers play, 
and uh, they film movies and things like that. Yeah, that's how it is. Wow. And, uh, so I would stay out. I would, you know, I would wait for that for the people to come out and, and experience it. You know, I didn't live in LA, so I was just on there for business a week or so at a time. Yeah. But it, you just you never experienced something like that. You saw people with two thousand dollar suits on and thousand dollar shoes, you know. And now you got people who their whole life's in one cart. Hang on a minute. Work finishes at four thirty. Mm-hmm. So what time do they start? Six. So you you start the happy hour. It's they always call happy hour. Start about three or so, four thirty ish. Right. And every you know all the business people are out at that time, and then at six o'clock everybody shut things down. Like they've closed the businesses. They you know they're not having a lot of stuff happening because the homeless people come out. That's so weird. Wow. Now you know LA's big, so you got you know areas of yeah, that. Right, but in okay, the main, in, uh, the major hubs, <clears throat> the bus route wow. changes. Everything changes. I had no idea. And it's super. You know, it's, it's tough out there. The Johns and the prostitutes are out there. It's uh, you know it's it's rough. It's been a while since I've been to LA. Yeah, like I was like a kid, so I yeah. wouldn't have seen that. Yeah. Well, now it, it's I think it's more permanent now, though. So it's more permanent now. So people are out there all day now instead of before it was kind of a wow. unwritten rule. Yeah. You know, you put your things away at this time in the morning. Let commerce and business happen or whatever. You know. Let yeah. That, and then you can you're allowed to back in, and now they're kind of there all day. Yeah, and it's. I don't know if we'll end up around there, but mm-hmm. maybe I'll take a peek at that because that's very unusual. Yeah, it's worth. I mean, worth kind of. Goodness me. To check out. Yeah, well, it's, well, part, it's a part of America. So. Yeah, I'm just checking our time here, and it's 10:59. Okay. And oh. I do need you to try my raw ice cream. Yes, please. <laughs> so we'll finish with my question that I ask everybody. Oh. Did you prepare for this? I didn't, but. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I so enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. That was really fun. Really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that we met. Yeah. 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 It was meant to be. And we're going to just come over to your house without telling you. You don't don't have to. There's someone there all the time. If I'm there, that's a different story. But we'll just make a date. We'll just make it a day and then we'll just, you know, figure out. Well, your mom will be there and I'll ask her to make a smoothie. Oh, yeah. And she will too. (laughs) She'll be like, who are you? Yeah. Meat pie. Salads. Meat pie. Meat pie is really good. Can she make that when we visit? Yeah. Okay, special know. request. Special request. Meat pie. Oh. Cheesecake. <laughs> cheesecake. Oh, her oh my gosh. She has a blueberry cheesecake with a hint of lemon. Oh. That's why I used to get for my birthday. I was like, oh. cake. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Yeah. When's your birthday? October 30th. Really? Halloween? Mm-hmm. Halloween baby. Yep. It was oh. good times, for sure. Easy things. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could talk for longer, Keith. Yeah, that sorry. was really fun. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, the longer the recording is, it takes me longer to edit it. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk again next time. Okay, last question. If you could tell the world, the whole world, just one thing, what would it be? Be open to people. Be, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the other. There's so much joy in time spent with one another. And, you know, uh, I truly believe in um, symbiotic relations where we just give and take and build upon that energy. So hopefully people just learn to be open to each other. That's a beautiful message. 
Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Appreciate Francis. Thank you so much for listening to the Harmony of Stories podcast. I would so love to hear from you, whether it's a simple hello or a question or any feedback you may have. You can connect with me via Instagram or Telegram. You'll find links to my social media on my website, wildflower.cloud. You can also drop me an email at wildflower@hey.com. If you're enjoying the podcast and are getting a lot out of it, please spread the word and share it with your friends, family, and anyone you come across. If you feel called to support the podcast, I invite you to check out the Support My Work page on my website, wildflower.cloud. There you can send a donation or connect with honest businesses, which I am proud to be working with. These include ASEA, the only company in the world who offer products that contain cellular messengers that are vital in protecting, rejuvenating, and restoring the cells in your body. Thrive Market, where I buy my organic or non-GMO pantry staples. Law for Mankind, where you can learn about natural law and how to be a sovereign man or woman in these times. And Thrift Books, my favorite online secondhand bookstore. I am sending you so much love. Have a really great week.